the green-eyed monster. As best as we can tell that um, this green-eyed monster thing comes, uh, here's the Merchant of Venice in 1596, Shakespeare, Portia speaks, how all the other passions fleet to air as doubtful thoughts and rash embrace despair and shuddering fear and green-eyed jealousy. O love, be moderate, allay thy ecstasy. In measure, reign thy joy, scant the success. I feel too much thy blessing, make it less, for I fear surfeit. Green-eyed monster. In Othello, Shakespeare, he apparently really got the ball rolling, at least on the vocabulary, though Jealousy is as old as the sinful human heart in the human race. Othello, in 1604, Shakespeare, he alludes to, and this may be the connection to, well, I'll read it to speak for itself. He alludes to uh, cats as green-eyed monsters in the way that they play with mice before killing them. And so Iago in Othello says, Oh, beware, my lord of jealousy. It is the green-eyed monster which doth mock the meat it feeds on. Uh, well, I would, I would be prepared to say that this green-eyed monster thing may be traced to Shakespeare. A lot of other things are. Our goal tonight is to go along four steps that will be here and are given in your handouts. Four steps toward overcoming jealousy. The last of these four steps is the strongest and the most deadly blow against jealousy. But I want you to turn with me now to James in chapter 3. Let's see what the Apostle James says about jealousy. And I'm going to read verses 13 and through 18. What we will want to notice, just to get some uh, framework set out on this passage, it's, you know, if you know the scriptures well at all, that the writers of scripture weren't searching for thoughts. They were in the direction of the Spirit of God. And this particular passage uh, definitely has a frame to it. And the issue is wisdom, with which the book begins. And it, there are, as one has suggested, one interpreter has suggested, it's like the tale of two cities. There is the peace that comes, or excuse me, the wisdom that comes down from above, and its result is peace. And then there is the wisdom that's of the earth. It's demonic. And it is disorder. It's the opposite. That's a very important um, frame to see how the thought flows in these verses. Are you there? Let's read it. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Well, you see a lot of things that uh, jump out at you here in this passage, do you not? Jealousy. Uh, bitter jealousy, that's an interesting uh, uh, two words. Uh, pikron, bitterness. We did a study on how to overcome resentment, closely related to the res twin sister of 
resentment is bitterness, which seems to be focusing in that combination, bitter, jealousy, to describe the effect upon other people. The word jealousy is the word zelos, zelon here, the verb zelou. You can hear any, you can hear a word in there, can't you? An English word, zeal. Uh, word zeal comes from this. The idea is ardor, a strong emotional uh, response, intensity. The idea of something that bubbles up. It's uh, just a very powerful emotion is bound up in this word. And the zelon, the jealousy, it's that uh, it, it demands exclusive devotion. It will not tolerate any rival. And thus, we will step now toward these four steps. And let's look at it and let's consider what's involved. The first step toward overcoming jealousy is that God is jealous. Let's consider this. This is foundational. God's jealous. I'm giving you the... So I need to get this up on the screen, don't I? Get to uh, that picture fascinated me. Let me go back to that. Uh, I, I well, there it is again. I stumbled across this uh, looking around. Um, you does it need to be interpreted? You get it, right? Okay, you get it. Uh, got an old painting, but my my. All right, let's uh, consider what jealousy. God is jealous. Exodus 20 and verse 5, context, Ten Commandments. What's the first thing that God demands? Absolute loyalty, devotion to him. You shall not bow down to them, that is, false gods, or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Uh, Let me pick up the Deuteronomy 4.24 passage. For the Lord, your God, is a consuming fire, a jealous God. God put Israel on notice up front that he would not tolerate any rival. No other God, the imagined gods that they are, the nothings that they are, but he would tolerate any rival. So, Let me unpack it a little bit then. First, God everlastingly seeks to protect his own honor. He is offended, offended by anything that brings dishonor to his name. One comment in a study Bible put it this way. God the Creator is worthy of all honor from His creation. Let's say it further. God desires exclusive worship. He demands absolute loyalty. He is intolerant of rivalry. I know I've said that a couple of times, but I want that to be nailed down tightly because we're going to go along to see how it becomes disordered in sinful human hearts. God views the church with godly jealousy. In 2 Corinthians 11.2, Paul speaking, but Paul in, we'll come back to this a little later, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians that how he looked at them, was concerned about them with divine jealousy. What did he want? He wanted their well-being spiritually. And that he was saying this by pos- Identifying with God's jealousy for the Corinthian believers. Not wanting any idol, any false teacher to come between him and them. God's godly jealousy is provoked by idolatrous behavior. He, he has a zeal for our well-being. You're his child. He wants what's best for you and for me. He is not an insecure being. He is absolutely secure in his holiness, in his righteousness, 
But idolatry is a direct threat to that well-being. It doesn't diminish God. It diminishes us. That second, uh, then 1 Corinthians 10.22 says, Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? I want to add this important... Um, I'm pausing here for a moment um, because I've, I insert some things when I go back over this. And you have a bare bones and I've got a little fatter set of notes than you do. Um, but lest I distract you, let me just back it up. There is a godlike jealousy for believers. I want to get this clear up front. You know, we when we discuss the issue of anger, we know of there is we know about sinful anger. It's all over the place. But there is a non-sinful anger, all right? There is a non-sinful jealousy for believers. What is it? It's the desire to protect the object or objects of one's love from the harmful effects of sin. That's legit. Not just legit. It's essential. This is where, again, I say Paul said to the Corinthians, I feel a divine jealousy for you. That's the ardor of a, of a spiritual father for his children. And it's exactly that. And you look in that passage where it is that of, of a father, that jealousy that he experiences toward his daughter as her protector. I thought that way about the guys who came around Miriam. I had a beautiful daughter. I have a beautiful daughter. And... You know, we males have our role as protectors. We have some, we can scent something in another male that sometimes women can't. Paul did not want the Corinthian believers to be corrupted by false teachers. Let me give you an example. This one is really powerful from Numbers 25 and verse 10, this godlike jealousy. And here... Well, here's somebody who got a medal of honor from God. How would you like to have a medal of honor pinned on you by God? Oh, that's big. Here it is. When I give you the context, you appreciate it even more. And the Lord said to Moses, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Ah, do we get it? <laughs> it's modestly sorted there, the story. It's, but if you're reading through the Old Testament, you've already read it. And then that is where Israel is just committing immorality with the Midianites. It's ugly. Balaam couldn't pronounce a curse. He just couldn't get it out of his mouth because God wouldn't let them. But he advised the Midianites to seduce the Israelite men in immorality, in, a, in an idolatrous context. And right in the middle of a face-to-face -face session with Moses over this matter, and God was having this with Israel, what are you doing? Well, I think I'll leave the story there. I don't want to leave any unnecessary images at this point in your mind. But Phineas came forward and took care of some business. He had to take two people out. He had to shish kebab a couple of people. Let's put it that way. So non, non-sinful jealousy is not self-focused, but God-focused. It seeks to protect God's honor, his name, his reputation. Godly jealousy is inspired by zeal for God's glory. For example, let me give you some examples. If one's spouse is being drawn into a sin, there is a place for a response of godly jealousy. If you see something coming between someone you love and God, that should stir you up. When I see something threatening my children's spiritual well-being, I have the right and responsibility to protect them, grandchildren, as much as I can. I mean, this could be a number of things, couldn't it? Dangerous friendships, drugs, alcohol, pornography, and the ill-advised romance. It's a jealousy. 
not for mine or yours as a parent or grandparent, not for our reputation, but zeal for the, their spiritual purity and maturity. Let me pause to say this. One of the ways in which I pray for the young people in this church, um, I need to get word to Wade. When I go through some of these studies, I think, this, I'm going to have to pass this on to Wade. Wade, they, the young people need to hear this. <laughs> I wish I would, I keep thinking of, oh, I would love to have, I needed to be told this 15, 16 years ago, or, or when I was 15 or 16, rather. But um, not wanting anything to come between those for whom I have responsibility and the Lord. But when I pray for the young people in this church, this is one of the ways I pray. Lord, don't let anyone come between them and you. Don't let any man come and steal the heart of that precious girl who has a zeal for you, who loves your word, who is happy. Don't let a young man come along and mess with her mind. And the same for a young man, that some girl will come along, this young man wants to serve God, and then he goes off in another day. I've seen it. So I pray. That's the way I pray. All right, so what would we say? The first step, then, to overcoming jealousy is to be consumed with the honor of God. Are you? His name, His glory, His holiness, He's the only God, and He wants absolute loyalty. If we don't get that right, we're going to stumble and fall from the very get-go. Let's take the second. The second step in overcoming jealousy is that we've got to know what sinful jealousy looks like. All right, now let's get down to it. Sinful human jealousy is the fear that someone is going to become equal to or even superior to us. Or, I'll put it another way, it is the self-consumed fear of losing someone's love, someone's attention. It is wanting the unrivaled attention of someone else. I've stated it several ways, trying to come in different angles. Now, here's the way the dictionary puts it. The dictionary says, Jealousy, that fearful that a person one loves may, uh, may love or prefer someone else. One may be jealous of the person's love or of a rival. What is it? Let's go a little further with it. It is a disordered love. That's what jealousy is. It's disordered love in that it treasures one's own desires above the good of others. Now, I want to say something. I want to say them a little later on, but some, don't get jealousy mixed up with true love. Right, just hold that thought. I'll get back to it. It is the desire for the betterment of oneself to the detriment of another. Now, you can take jealousy. You can put lipstick on it, and you can, you can put perfume on it, and you can dress it up in the finest and evening gown, or you can make it look like just that, that hunk of a guy. No, uh, no, 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 no. It is displeasure at the success of another. It seeks to honor, it seeks the honor that belongs only to God. I want to do a little work here with uh, some distinctions. Jealousy's parentage. I'm, I'm going to take three terms, and we need to define them and, and work on them. Covetousness, envy, and jealousy. I would see what, that covetousness, the Tenth Commandment, is the desire to have what one is not supposed to have. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's 
livestock, your neighbor's house, or anything. What is envy? To envy is to resent somebody else's good so much that one is tempted to destroy it. That is, you want to take away what that person has. You want to remove the good. Jealousy, I don't think I put those up there, but I want to double check myself. All right. No. Jealousy. Jealousy wants to protect the good it already has. That is what one thinks one possesses. Say it another way. Jealousy is the wish to keep the absolute devotion and loyalty of this other person to oneself. The gain of that. I I want to keep that. I want to hold on to that. I don't want to lose that. Envy looks at the other person, someone else, and says, I'm going to get, take something away from them. There's going to be loss. So it's, if you, there's some overlap. And I know the words jealousy and envy get, in today's vocabulary, get used almost like synonyms. But technically they're not. There are two different words in Scripture for them. Just before we leave it, and go to the third step. Let's just briefly rehearse some of the symptoms of jealousy. These things may be involved. And it's, this is really a segue into the third step, which I'm going to show you how it ravages human relationships, is that there will be <clears throat> fear of loss, obviously. There is suspicion of or anger about a perceived betrayal. There is sadness over a perceived loss, and it can go into depression, and it can go to suicide. Uncertainty and loneliness, a fear of losing an important person to another, distrust. I would tell you, folks, it's ugly. Jealousy is ugly. It's not pretty. It's one of those sins that... uh, Interestingly, uh, Jerry Bridges in his book on respectable sins, he includes jealousy in that book. Because it's one of those sins that Christians, they can get riled up about a lot of other things, but not all that riled up about something like jealousy. You ready to go to the third step? Let's go there. Jealousy ravages human relationships. That is, this this step is, overcoming jealousy is the, we must overcome it by knowing the cold, hard truth of what jealousy does. Let's turn the screws here. I want you to see it. Now, you can say, well, listen, is this going to keep one from being jealous in and of itself? No. But I will say this, that if the Spirit of God is working in a heart... You're a believer. You are considering these other factors. I mean, you're consumed with the honor of God. You know what that jealousy is not pleasing to God. It's self-serving. Then when you begin to look and see what it really looks like, hopefully you'll say, oh, that's horrible. Talk about the walking dead. Talk about zombies. Oh, I know that's kind of a craze right now for some strange reason, those sort of things. But if you really want to get horrified, if you really want to get scared, look what jealousy comes to town looking like. Here, let me give you some examples. First of all, it's a work of the flesh, Galatians 5.20. And as a work of the flesh, it's, It's generated by sinful impulses in rebellion against God. So it's not a neutral thing. And harmful to others in rebellion against God and harmful to others. It's ruinous. It's destructive. Nothing good can come of it. It's cruel. Song of Solomon 8.6. Angry. Proverbs 6.34. 
and frustrating. The frustration of the fact is that who can stand before jealousy? You can't reason with it. It poisons the life of the congregation. Ooh, that Corinthian congregation. (laughs) And what we just read here from James in chapter 3. You want to rip, you want to rip and tear and, and destroy the spiritual vitality and the life of a church and kill its missionary vision, its desire to win the loss and the preaching of the word and authentic worship, you just let the virus of jealousy get turned loose. I don't know if this was the problem. I don't know all that was, but I know the Philippian church had two ladies, Yodia and Syndicate. You remember them? Chapter 4, Paul, (laughs) he says something's got to be done. Was it part of it jealousy? All those those who followed Yodi sit over here. Old Syndicate over here. That kind of thing. Yeah, it would be possible for how could this turn in a church? It could be people get jealous because they see somebody else who has another set of gifts. And, you know, God has distributed spiritual gifts and natural gifts in a variety of ways, hasn't he? Some people just have all kinds of natural gifts. Remember when you first started discovering that? (laughs) Somewhere back there in elementary school. Guys found out very soon somebody's bigger, stronger, faster, smarter. And so the old green-eyed monster is ready to pounce out of the shadows. But it can happen in a church. There are spiritual gifts that God distributes. And some, he may give multiple gifts to. Now, having a spiritual gift is not a mark of spirituality. That's just the potential and the opportunity. Still, pastors can become jealous. They can become a pe- jealous of people. Maybe some people in the congregation have certain talents and spiritual gifts that the pastor wouldn't have. And it becomes a stumbling block, an occasion for jealousy. So it can turn into factions and dissension. It infects love and romance with self-serving behavior. This is probably what we usually think of, first of all, when we think of jealousy. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, right up front. Third in line there, not jealous. And insecure people who especially enjoy the attention and affection of someone else, they can become obsessed. So I would say the insecure, now we all have issues with insecurity, so I don't want us to get get comfortable and say, well, hey, I'm not an insecure person. But to the degree that insecurity creeps in, takes over, the insecure person will be very possessive. And it can grow into monstrous problems. Now, I said a little earlier on, I wanted to say something about the danger of confusing genuine love with jealousy. There is the danger of mistaking jealousy for love. It happens in middle school. Uh, I know what I'll do. Oh, he's such a hunk. Oh, he's every girl at school is just crazy about him. And I think he likes me, but I've got to make him jealous of me. And if he can be jealous of me, ah, oh, yes, then I'll be loved. Oh, really? <laughs> I'll tell you what's going on. You want to know what's going on? Teenagers, wherever you are <laughs> in this night, <laughs> don't think that having someone jealous of you is a sign of their loyalty to you. That's a sign of their loyalty to themselves. It's a disguise. It's trickery. Don't fall for it. It's a monster. It's self-love disguised as genuine love. But don't get the two confused. Yeah, I'll make him jealous. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. And, you know, Proverbs 6.34, which I referenced a little earlier, says, For jealousy makes a man furious. 
I'm just about, I'm on the verge of talking about a point that, um, let's see, I don't believe I put this in, no, didn't get to, I'm coming to that one, that I want to talk a little bit about gender differences in jealousy. This is a little touchy subject, but I'm going to jump in. And I'm going to say something about gender differences. What I'm about to say is that men can be jealous and are jealous, but they have their own male flavor to jealousy. Uh, guys, when they're, like I mentioned, guys who like sports, they can be jealous of somebody else who comes along and beats them out of their first baseman's job. Okay, girls look on that and say, that's silly. I'm going to get you in a minute, ladies, so don't get too cozy there. But uh, guys can be jealous. And I tell you, it can be men uh, can, when they're jealous, a jealous husband, when there is the perceived threat of sexual intrusion into a relationship, when a man's rulership is challenged. Now, rulership, and I'm using that word in the sense of Genesis 3.16, where as a result of the fall, it's not leadership, rulership. As a result of the fall, that's, I'm referring to this overcoming the effects of the fall, where a male who has not had the redemptive value of the effects of the, uh, of, of the re- redemptive value and strength, that a threat to his rulership will evoke his jealousy. I've seen some examples of this. I hang out with men a lot, and I have through the years, men's Bible studies for 40-something years. Um, and I say I'll flatten this out as best as I can. It's nobody you know. It's nobody in this church. But I, I remember this episode because I was ended up being involved in visiting this man in jail. And it's not an unusual scenario, though when you know them up close and they're personal, it sure is really, really, really ugly. This man, his wife, he and his wife divorced, but this man, uh, who was a successful man, a professional man in that sense of success, uh, he was a strong guy and physically. And he wanted to get on his bicycle and go by the house where his ex lived. And there was a car out there. Gets off his bicycle, snoops around, sees there's the guy, the new boyfriend's there. The new boyfriend, he should never have done this. I mean, the guy shouldn't, the boyfriend certainly shouldn't have. He goes out to chase him down and... The ex-husband gets on his bike to go, but then there's a confrontation. It did not end well. And boyfriend got beat up something awful. So that's why I went and visited. He came to our Monday morning class many years ago in the middle of all this, and it was ugly. Now, there are murders over this. Did you see that awful story just the other day when you go to the metro section, the AJC, when you want to get the really bad local news? <laughs> um, it was this triangle. Boyfriend, boyfriend and his uh, lover who's married, but she's got to get rid of her husband. And so, I mean, it's not rational. Takes the, I can't tell you, it's too gruesome, uh, gruesome and, and he takes him out, kills him. It's, it's a terrible story. That's enough. I don't want to tell it. Um, but now what about female jealousy? In men, it can get really rough and brutal. Female jealousy has its own particular expressions, namely in female-to-female relationships that it's more likely to be wrapped up in a lot of emotions and friendships, you know, and females and nurturing and relationships and want to be, 
I don't know. I, I was oblivious to this in elementary school and high school. I didn't have any sisters, but now, you know, I look back and say, oh, yeah, that was what was going on. But uh, I want to be, what is this, uh, BFF? Uh, best friends forever. And you get into things like that. And who's going to be your best friend? And Need I go further with this? You, your ladies, you're with me? You're, and how it can go? And I will tell you, jealousy will eat your lunch. And if you really want to tear a church apart, just get multiple uh Get, get the domino effect of this, and it, 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 it's awful. So this is a warning, male and female, it will ruin you, and it's not pretty. Whew, I told you this, it ravages. Oh, i got to move along. I'm not, and we're just getting warmed up. Um, it tears families apart. I kind of step on the accelerator a bit. Sibling rivalry? Uh, just bring a new child into the home from the hospital. Any of that ever been through that one? <laughs> child number one? I don't know. I never did get a briefing on that one. I'm child number one of five brothers. I, I don't know what happened there, if anything. But I know it can happen. Just bring the new one in and watch, watch things change. You can, get, you can get things, they can get so distorted, you can get what they call regressive behavior. The, the older one will resort to thumb-sucking and baby talk and sulking, and so you get all this weird behavior going on. You can even get aggressive behavior. Say, hey, quit that. Get off of her. Don't pound her. Hit, beat. And you know, sibling rivalry, if I may in passing, say this, that, it can persist through childhood into adulthood. Uh, we have biblical examples of this. We'll start out with Jacob and Esau. And then how about Joseph and his brothers? That's one story. A father can be jealous of his children. Yes, he may think the wife is giving too much attention to the children, but it may be that she's sublimating and she's f- focusing a lot of her attention on the children because she's not getting much from her husband. And then... He comes around and he gets jealous of her and then, what a mess. And then you want to get mixed marriages, his, hers, and ours, this sort of thing. And you can get jealousies and when you get stepbrothers, stepsisters, stepmothers, stepfathers, and you get all kinds of possibilities. Let's get along here. It can drive, it drives religious and political uh, groups to persecute Christians we have examples of this in the book of Acts. This was one of the driving motivations in the early church is the early church had success. People were, uh, priests were being born again. Pharisees were being born again. And the religious establishment would have none of it. And I, I don't have time to stay on that. We've got to move along. Let's go to the next. It can lead to obsessiveness. Hatred, revenge, and even murder. Would you like Exhibit A? I'll submit to you Saul. You know, Saul, you didn't get this in the text. This is a little bit of historical background. Saul, after one of his early battles, and he uh, stopped off at the Waffle House right outside of Beersheba, and somebody put a song, hit a song in the jukebox, and the next thing that Saul knew, he heard a little brand new was at the top of the charts. Saul has slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands. And I don't know what kind of little melody it had with it, but uh, I'm playing with you, of course. But in the text goes on to say that Saul was very angry, and was he ever. And that's the rest of the, actually, that's the beginning of the end of Saul. It just rips and tears him apart. Everything collapses around that. And... It can lead to extreme competitiveness, fights, discontent, anger. And you turn it loose in peer relationships in middle school and high school. And the, the social impact is enormous. And then you get people who have, and this can be a Christian, whose self-centeredness is just toxic. 
And it's even maybe gone into chronic narcissism. That is a person who's just totally, totally self-possessed. That talk about jealousy. Stalking, spying, obsessive phone calling, Facebook abuse, attempt to monopolize someone else's time, social smothering, threats, violence. Oh, it can characterize acute jealousy. It gets very dangerous. It can get very dangerous. Now, let's conclude with number four. Step four. The fourth step toward overcoming jealousy is this. The flames of jealousy are to be extinguished by an overpowering love for God. I kind of want to come back full circle. (laughs) That absolute loyalty to God. Jealousy with his jealousy. Okay, we're on that footing? Hopefully. I will proceed with this. Put it this way. We must put our godlike thinking cap on. When God's honor is at stake, the believer is to be intolerant of jealousy. A zeal for God's glory will strangles a zeal for one's own glory. It's to get your ardor and love and passion for God so intense is that Lord, now I'm not saying it won't be struggle, but this is part of the fight. Lord. Your glory is at stake here. This is dishonoring to you. I'm sending the wrong message. This is ugly. It's terrible. It's ruinous. It's sin. It's not wrong to be tortured by that, to working it through. And we must then humble ourselves before God and take our place before Him as helpless and needy. Because I will tell you, if you allow the emotion of jealousy to get a good foothold and get traction in a relationship, it's it's as powerful as cocaine, alcohol, and it will get you and bring you down. Confess the sin of self-sufficiency and idolatry. You have this. If you go on in James in chapter 4 and verse 5, he he comes on the in the wake of what he said about bitter jealousy and, and selfish ambition. He says, submit yourself to God. He says, resist the devil. <laughs> Get out of there. Lord, I need you. I'm helpless. And if you see yourself caught in this, Lord, I've let this jealous trend go on too long. I see it for what it is. Help me, Lord. Help me. I can't get out of this without your grace. Call out to him. He gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. Confess it. And we must replace comparative thinking with humility of thought and actions. What I call relational servanthood must show social avoidance, the exit. Uh, What I mean is this, that... um, in the first place, recognize the gifts of other people. You're jealous of someone. It's, you know, an area where I've not gone to is the jealousy, say, you have a skill or you have a gift or you have a position, whatever, and there's somebody else that comes along and they're better. They're better at it. Okay, what do I do with that? My pastors go through this. I, they do. Young pastors start out, he's going to set the world on fire. And and people enjoy the teaching, and maybe the church has a little modest growth. And then he hears that a new church is starting up about five, six miles away. And, whoa, you ought to hear that pastor. Wow. And after a while, you know, people come say, well, pastor, we really enjoy it here, but we just feel like we need a change. You know, you go through that breakup talk, and the next thing you know, they're gone, and they're over there five, six miles away at the other church. Pastors have to deal with this kind of thing. We all do in one form or fashion. And so, oh, Lord, thank you. for. Well, I'll show you what we need to attend to that. But I mentioned this social avoidance thing. If you're jealous of someone, the tendency is going to be. Now, if you're a male, you may want to track them down and just beat the turkey out of them. If you're a female, you got. Now, females can do some. They can do some physical violence. I don't deny that. 
But they're going to tend to be just a little bit more subtle, like avoidance. They'll be at the grocery store, and they'll see her over in the bake aisle and say, she doesn't know I'm here. i got to get out of here. Or however, these kinds of things, that's what I mean. Um, let's go to the next. Stop trash talking and start truth talking. Trash talking. I'm going to, Lord willing, my plan next week is to overcoming hurt, uh, a hurtful tongue. So we'll save some of a lot for that. But do I slander? Do I gossip? Do you speak evil of your rival? The one that's threatening that relationship that you want to possess and hold on to? Somebody else comes in, third party. Do you speak evil of him or her? Could you say, oh, you think she's beautiful, huh? Can you imagine how long it takes her to get herself ready in the mornings? Oh, I don't know how it works. I'm guessing at that. Take her a long way to get that, a long time to get that, uh, looking that way every day. That's trash talk. That's not truth talk. It's not speaking well of your brother, your sister in Christ. And then I conclude with this. That pray for the three people involved in jealousy. This is my version of the third man theme. That's a movie in the early 50s. Um, That you pray for yourself. That's one party. You pray... Lord, why am I afraid? What, what do I want? Why is the threat of losing this relationship or the attention I'm getting, why is that so powerful to me? I need help, Lord. There's, there's stuff inside of me I'm not sure. Why am I so possessive? So pray for yourself. Call out to the Lord. And then there is the one that you love or the one from whom you want attention and that possible loss of affection, pray for them. Well, Lord, I pray that they'll love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Lord, they don't ultimately belong to me. They belong to you. They're yours. And Father, I pray that, the most, that they'll be experience your wisdom and you're, you will mature them and bring them along in the faith. And then you get the third party. Ah, the threat. Be she male, female, or male. And, oh, how do you pray for your enemy? Jesus said, love your enemies. Okay, knock on that door. Where does that take you? Pray for them. If it's the threat of maybe someone who has more gifts or someone who's right now getting more attention, someone who's kind of replacing you in the limelight or they're in a position that you thought you should have had and they've got it and people are speaking much of them and you're just kind of in the shadows. Lord, thank you, Lord, your gifts. You've given that person gifts you haven't given me. But, Lord... You give me gifts. Help me to be faithful. And, Lord, I want to be a servant. How can I help that person? How can I come alongside of them and encourage them? So you get the thinking is completely changed. How to serve them. Uphold them in prayer. And we're five minutes over time. Do you want to talk about jealousy? Uh, questions? Uh, on this, that's... We're going to stop at that point. And any observations? Um, okay. Okay. A little sensitive area, isn't it, for us all? Because it, it, it's we we've probably have all thought of as we've we've been up to our ears in jealousy, and now we're we're Justin. What you got? Yeah. I've heard stories where the, the lady 
Uh-huh. Yeah, there's nothing that can go untouched. It can, you get into that comparative, competitive mode of thinking. I was talking about this with somebody just recently, that if you want to make much of the way you proposed, uh, some spectacular thing you've done, buddy, you're in deep weeds. <laughs> you have raised the bar really high. And how are you going to live up to that from now on? So the best thing to do is just kind of low-key it, don't make much of it. Hey, shucks, it was. Now, I'm not saying go out there for and be a, be a dunderhead and say, oh, by the way, would you like to marry me? I don't care, but, you know, give us wisdom, Lord. Uh, that's a good point, though. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a, in this digital age, just write a letter. <laughs> what would happen now if you wrote a letter? Okay, might make you think a little more carefully because you wouldn't be saying the first thing that comes to your mind is you need to always take a piece of paper and wad it up. It's hard to wad up a computer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Proposal by text. I'm sure that's been done. I would like to. Yeah, I would be looking for that story. All right, it's best to end on laughter here on this. Lord, grant us the grace now. You know our hearts, Lord, better than we do. And we, we trust you, Lord. You, thank you for your gentleness with us, that you are jealous for our well-being, our spiritual. You want us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. So, Father, I pray that it, where those we've allowed people, things, whatever, to come between us and you, you will open our eyes so that we can love you more. Absolute loyalty. And I pray, Father, for anyone here tonight who's allowed a jealousy to take hold of him or her, and it's, it's devouring them. Give them the freedom, the freedom, Lord, of confession, forgiveness, for Christ's sake. Amen.